live, man. So we hit a little milestone here. Actually, we hit a milestone right after the last episode. Um, a couple of days after that last episode, you know, looking at the calendar and, you know, realizing that, hey, man, we've been doing this. We've been doing this show for 10 years. It was the 10 year yeah. anniversary of the LLA show, man. How about that? Yeah, and it's, it's also the 10 year anniversary of my testosterone booster because it came out around the same time that yep. we started recording. It might have come out maybe a month before we did our first episode, but it was definitely the same year, 2013. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. <laughs> here's, here's how crazy things are. So, you know, at the time we were recording this, let's say um, Fast and Furious 10 just came out like a few days before. <laughs> and I remember within, I think, in those first, I don't know if it was either the second episode may have been the third one maybe the, been the one right after we talked to ken i think that's the time when paul walker died <laughs> so i'm just like so and and now i hear that they're paul trying walker, to find paul walker died in 2015 because it was the was same it? year okay okay yeah. yeah 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 but i knew it was in those early days of us doing the show you know because right. i just remember when um the notes or whatever so but yet and still Paul is gone, but they're still making Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> and I hear rumors they're trying to find a way to bring him back. I don't know if they've done it in this one. I haven't you know, seen it or whatever, but I'm just like, stop. Those movies are unwatchable at this point. <laughs> I, actually tried, I tried to watch 9 after I heard 10 came out. So I, yeah. 9 on HBO. So I tried watching it this past Saturday night. I couldn't get 45 minutes into it. it was <laughs> I was like, this is so dumb. I can't get into it. When you look at some of the stunts, you're like, Come, just stop. Just stop it. Well, I mean, you gotta like, it's, it's insulting. You gotta, you, gotta you gotta balance the action with some kind of storyline. Like, well, for example, well, there's like only the, one storyline: family. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and, that, and that's so corny and over the top. I mean, there were so many things done poorly with this. At this, first of all, in in the ninth one, you have this these flashback scenes where it's supposed to be a younger version oh, of Vin Diesel's character and a younger version and of Johnson. Johnson. I'm like, how are they brothers? I'm like, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that movie brothers but they were all adopted yeah. with mark yeah. Wahlberg and andre 3000 and Ty, you know tyrese i'm like how did tyrese get tied into young, another movie like this <laughs> the young vin diesel is some latino guy doesn't look remotely like vin <laughs> diesel and the young john cena is this kid who was in another show called animal kingdom he was great in that show but here it was a total bad casting and then their father is a guy who is the star of that show, The Mayans, a Mexican guy. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's all over the place. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Vin Diesel's not, I don't, as far as I don't know about his. I thought he's black and Italian. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I know he's not, I know he's not Latino in any way. But what does John Cena have character. to do with this? Because John Cena is from Massachusetts. He is born outside Boston. He's white as white can be. Okay. Right. <laughs> he's from West Newbury, Massachusetts. Okay. They would have done better if they had actually had um, Jason Momoa playing his brother on the last one <laughs> they probably could have slightly gotten away with that these, these stories are so dumb and infantile i mean an example of a movie that is it's a mainstream movie and it has a lot of action so a lot of dumb people will like it but it also had a good storyline is the most the most recent guardians of the galaxy the number the third one right. that one was actually done really well because it actually interjected in a very clever way animal experimentation exploitation of kids it wasn't done corny. It wasn't done hokey. It was actually done really well. Now, most people aren't going to make the connection between that and what actually happens in our world, in the real world. No. Still, it was done well. Some people will. Some people will, though. Because that's, right. look, well, I first got into being a vegetarian, then vegan, and animal rights issues after I saw the movie The Fly, The Fly 2, where this golden retriever is mutilated. 
So that made me, you know, I had a golden retriever growing up. So I immediately mm-hmm. made the connection and that got me thinking. It was like, hey, I wonder what kind of stuff, like the stuff that happened in the movie doesn't necessarily happen in the real world, but that kind of thing does happen, animal experimentation. Right. So I did make the connection at a young age and I think I was 14, 15. So some people will make the connection, but regardless, the movie was entertaining and it was done well. Even if someone doesn't make the connection, it's still a good movie. If you right. make the connection, that's icing on the cake. It's a bonus. So it, it can be done well is my point. You can have a lot of action. You can have a fun movie, but you can also have a real storyline and even a good message. Yeah, here's my thing with this one. It was like, okay, from the way they were talking, the way everything looked like, okay, this seemed like it would be the last one. But of course, you know, man, it's kind of like a stripper who's trying to go legit. <laughs> you know, think about it. When you're making that, that easy money like that, it's really hard to say no to it. And the nothing is going to last if there's more money to make. Like all these bands saying farewell tour. Motley oh, Queen I know. Kiss has said they, farewell so many times. <laughs> yeah, and Kiss, they're not even singing anymore. They're just playing a tape and lip syncing <laughs> their own songs. Yeah, I mean, oh, Kiss, awesome. Cher, to my, to my, even Tina Turner. I'm like, didn't you retire? So <laughs> Anita Baker retired all of one year. She announced her retirement tour over about a year ago, and now she's on tour again. I'm like, yeah. So the only band that has stuck to it that I can see is Slayer. When Slayer retired, that's it. We haven't heard a peep of Slayer doing even a one-off since then. But every other band, whether it's Scorpions, I saw Scorpions on what was supposed to be their farewell tour in 2012. They're still performing. Well, that was their farewell to 2012 tour. It's like I'm saying goodbye <laughs> to 2012. <laughs> that was their, yeah, it was a farewell to 2012. Exactly. See? We'll be back in 2013. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye, 2012. See you, See you around. <laughs> it's been real. Molly Crew had that big production for their last show in 2014, 15, something like that. Right. Now they're back. They even have John Five. John Five replaced Mick Mars, <laughs> and they're just they're they're continuing on. And hey, Vince still sounds horrendous. He sounds terrible right now. People are still showing up to these shows. Well, he probably man. sounds like he looks right about now. <laughs> Look, man, if you go do a farewell tour, you need to go out like Michael Jackson. Like as soon as you get ready to do it, you die. So there is truly a farewell tour. It's like whoa, okay. He kind of took it there, like he went all the way with it. He could, that's, now that's commitment right there. Man. <laughs> he wasn't playing around. <laughs> I was not fucking around with y'all, man. He's like, I'm when done. I say when I say farewell, I mean it. <laughs> well, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's a great fear of loss type marketing strategy, but it's no longer effective because people have done it so many times that no one takes it seriously anymore. And I damn sure don't believe you if you're like, if you're a rapper saying it, like Jay-Z's retired so many times, Kanye's retired so many times. I'm like, nah, y'all are going to be the last people that fucking retire because you're not making kiss money. (laughs) Okay, so get the fuck out of here. I think even Nas retired a couple of times. Like, just stop it. Well, it was like when Conor McGregor said he retired. Oh, exactly. Negotiating tactic. Ron Jones has said he's retired before, too. Oh, exactly. A lot of times it's just a negotiating tactic. And you think that, okay. <laughs> you would think that in these, especially like in fighting, it's like, okay, if I put you in the Hall of Fame, you should stop. Right? <laughs> then that, yeah. That's your hint. But I, I think there should be a rule that once you're inducted to the Hall of Fame, you can't fight anymore. Whether it's whether it's MMA or even fucking WWE. It's just like, okay, that's a wrap. You're in the Hall of Fame, you're done. No one's going to the Baseball Hall of Fame and then trying to come back. 
Okay. Right? Well, no, no one qualifies for the baseball <laughs> right. until they're until, until, the, until you're so you're incapable of ever coming back. You know? Yeah, we need to see how your career ends before we know how you right. the Hall of Fame. You could be like John Jones, Hall of Fame, undefeated, and then he goes on to lose three times in a row. And that's that's the problem with so many. I'm like, isn't BJ fighting again? I hope not. <laughs> I, I remember, hope not. like, I remember when he got inducted in the Hall of Fame, and he had a fight there. I'm like, dude, no, no, no. Oh, I know who it is. Robbie's getting inducted, and but I'm like, and nothing. And he's fighting. I'm like, no, Robbie needs not to fight anymore. Well, I think I think the best strategy with older fighters that have been in the game for a long time is the matchups have to make sense. Like right. someone like Matt Brown had a great performance recently. I think it was last, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, he had a great knockout, and he's tied for the most knockouts, yep. most finishes in the UFC yeah, with Lewis. That's pretty fucking awesome. But they but they're matching up Matt against people that are from his era. Right, he's, he's not so going against. Don't do, An- don't have Anderson going up against Izzy. Come on, man. But, right, respect. right. That's. An <laughs> I mean, that's like. I mean, I can't. It's it's almost like Darth Vader going up against a now disciplined Jedi Luke Skywalker. <laughs> okay. It's, it's like basically it's- the equivalent of the senior league, is what you're seeing. <laughs> right. That, that to me makes sense because why do you want to put a guy like Matt Brown in a fight where he's going to get finished by somebody in the first minute, some new up and comer? That's trying so to make so some up and comers like okay I, I finally get to fight my hero you know it's like yeah. I grew up you know and inspired by this guy but now I'm gonna be the one you know or just it doesn't help because now that young one's gonna be like I'm the one that retired him like no he was retired yeah. before he even stepped in the in the ring with you yeah, but if you put him up against a fighter from his era it's competitive and it's right. fun to watch like Nate Diaz maybe versus, maybe Nate, Nate maybe Diaz versus Tony <laughs> Ferguson that was that was a fun fight to watch yeah and like some of them might be fun to watch now there's been some Tito fights there's been some Tito fights where I'm like stop no more don't do well, it well especially Tito versus Chuck three yeah that that's what I'm saying fun. like so that's why I had to, I, I had to put an asterisk on when you said that I'm like nah not all of them are fun to watch well Matt Matt still looks good he looks athletic he looks good oh yeah and I think with, against the right opponents it's competitive right. for him win or lose. But yeah, don't don't get to like fucking. You're almost sixty years old, and you're still trying to fight somebody from your from your era, like a Ken Shamrock or somebody's like, dude, sit down, yeah, stop yeah. it. He just started becoming a caricature of himself. Yes, I'm like, okay, you He's didn't look this, a party way too long. I'm like, you didn't even look this bad as a professional wrestler in WWE. He's like, this is really bad. I, I would say Frank Shamrock knew how to retire because yeah. he had that, he had that performance against Nick Diaz, and he realized, okay, I don't have yeah, this. Like, it's a wrap. That was a passing of the torch type fight. Yep. Where he, okay, I'm done. And even the two fights before that, he was winning and doing pretty well. But it, it was he was clearly towards the end of his career, and he realized that okay, this is the top of the echelon, so I, I can't compete against that anymore. So right. what's the what do I need to prove? He was already the first middleweight UFC champion. He defended it five times. He already had a storied career. So he yeah, you know, those to. guys all came from an era where you you started out with one discipline. That was that was your superpower, pretty much. When yeah. you got in MMA, and now they're going up against these kids who they all they know is mixed martial arts. Right, right. <laughs> and and they in fact they've added on more stuff to the mix that wasn't even traditionally part of the mix part that these guys actually start experiencing. You know, they started bringing in other stuff like Kali and you know, you know, Salat and things like that. It's just and they mix it. They know how to blend it all together. Whereas you actually have to go and oh, I now got to go work on 
okay, I've never boxed. I need to really go work on my boxing. Or I my Muay Thai, I've never been good at that. So now I actually have to go. I guess I need to go to Thailand where those get those guys, they were doing that when they were kids, you know, going to Thailand for the summer, you know, just, just to add on to it. It was, it was almost like um, continuing education, for, you know, credits for someone that's like going for like a master's or something like that for them, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I better, I better take this or else I'm not going to be able to understand. Yeah. You know, for them, it wasn't an option. Right. <laughs> so. Going back to this whole 10 year anniversary of the podcast, it's amazing to look at the difference between the podcast landscape then and now. Oh, yes, definitely. Then, then there, were, there were definitely a lot of people doing shows then, but not like now. Now, everybody who has an email has a podcast. And it's, yeah, it's everybody started really realizing this. It the entire market because early on, it was actually possible to get really high profile guests yeah. if you just asked because it was a new medium and people didn't really know about your numbers or how big your show was. So if you caught them at the right time, you could get people on, such as we had Robert Green on. We had people. Stephen Kotler, you know. Yeah, Stephen Kotler. You know. Johan, Johan Hari. We had these best-selling authors on the show. Yeah. It would be difficult for a brand new show. I'm not saying impossible, but it would be, it would be difficult for a, a new show to come out now and get those guests early on because there's so many different people asking is where I'm going. Exactly. So many, if you just type in the name. If you, if you want to book this person, type in their name. For this, like in you know in Spotify or whatever, and you'll see if they've been on like maybe seven or eight podcasts in the last week, right? But here's the the flip side to that is sometimes I'll see people on a show I don't even want to talk to them because I already had every question answered from that show I just watched. right right. Whereas before we have them come on our show and just ask the same questions that we already know the answers to. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Whereas before, like just say when we first started this, if we saw them on another we. You go and check them on another podcast so we know what not to ask them. Right. right. But at this point now, with the market being so diluted, it's like they, everybody's asked everything. Unless we just ask, like, so, man, are you cut or uncut? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, boxes of briefs. I'm like, shit. And most likely, it's probably a podcast that I already asked them that too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm like, what's left? You know, but of course, someone's yeah. going to say, well, you know, not everybody has the same audience. I was like, yeah, but here's the thing I get bored. Well, that's that's it right there. It's not interesting to me. It's just just to get big level names. If I already know the answer, I'm like, I don't feel like asking that. You know, it's just like now I'm just talking. You know, it reminds me of people who just talk to be talking, but they really are not bringing anything to the table. This is it's the equivalent of small talk to me. And I I don't like small talk. Right. You know, one thing that I can say we pride ourselves on is really tapping in and having our guests, you know, really just talk about things that they've never talked about to the point where it was just, it became this common thing. Like, man, you guys, I, I never talked about that before. I've never been on a show where I, you know, actually would even bring that up or felt this comfortable to talk about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That would happen often. <laughs> Sometimes it worked out too well. They got too comfortable with us. <laughs> and everything to talk about, like that was, you know, when we weren't recording, like, well, okay, that was a lot. That was a lot of information. <laughs> I don't know if we need to know all that. <laughs> So that's why I always say, man, well, the good thing is I said, when I die, I need a, a, a pretty heavy duty casket. I said, because there's a lot of secrets I'm taking to the grave with me. It's going to be weighing that pitch down. So I don't know if I can be carried by six because <laughs> so many things I know about people that I got to take to the grave, man, <laughs> that should never be repeated ever, 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 ever. <laughs>
Yeah, it is. I think people just, just need to. You get. You got to confess. Go to a church somewhere <laughs> that, that, that you don't that you don't go to, and just, just like in the movies, go in there and make your confession. Get it exactly. off your chest. Like, man, I don't want to hear. I don't need to know all that. Why? Why would you do that to me? I don't need to know that about you. But <clears throat> so yeah, man. Um. So yeah, the, like I said, there was so many more podcasts now because people start really pushing the fact that like, oh. If you got a business, you need to have a podcast. It became this marketing thing, you know, and I'm not going to say that, you know, it wasn't a good marketing, you know, vehicle for us as well, but we, we figured that out early in the game. You know, it's like, you know, why do you even have a podcast if you don't have a product? Right. Right. Even if the product is just you, you know, so many people at that time, they didn't have a product. Otherwise you just get, you become a hawk for just all these sponsors. Every show you hear people talking about, oh, this is about blah, blah, blah. And they're mispronouncing and saying it all wrong. And it sounds so disingenuous when they're reading, you know, reading the copy. Even shows I like, I go, you don't care about this. You don't use that. Stop that. They're paying you a lot of money. Now you're bringing it every show, every show. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. (laughs) Oh, like the other 10 shows I just listened to? Exactly. <laughs> and that's another thing that's changed a lot, even just with, um, companies that sponsor podcasts. Because when we started, it seemed like the same three or four were the only ones that were sponsoring people. So you'd hear them everywhere. So at least you get a little bit of a variety now. But still, in this economy now, they've actually cut back. So it's kind of going back to the way things were 10 years ago. Because so many people had to cut their ad budgets or whatever. And, put it in the things that made sense or don't put them in. Well, it's also not effective for the most part, no matter who, how big the show is. You know, what's the return of investment on this? It's like, also, you, know, you have to look at, look, like, like who was a sponsor on Joe Rogan show 15 years ago. That's still doing it now. No one. Now yeah. you would think they would just stay the course if it were effective. Hey, just one of the companies, I don't even think he even owns anymore. It's on it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dr. Gordon's been on Joe's show many times and he didn't get, I was like, oh, you must've gotten a lot of donations from your Joe Rogan appearances. He's like, yeah, not really. Hmm. And that's millions of people watching. Yeah. I think he said he has more steady donations from the times he's been on our show. Yeah. This, uh, and then again, you got to look at the, the target audience as well. And what people need to understand, one thing about, one thing business one-on-one in marketing, it's not necessarily about, how many you have. This is about the quality of the ones you do have. So you can sit there and have a million followers, 2 million followers, 10 million followers, and you only have 10 people buying your products. Well, those numbers suck. But, you know, let's take an email list. But if you have an email list of like, let's just say 500 people, but it, you know, but every time you send out an email, you know, half of them open it up and then 10% of that actually buy a product that day. Um, That's a, that's a pretty damn good ratio. Right. Definitely. I think the thing also is that just because in an episode says two million views, it doesn't mean they're not unique viewers, you know, necessarily, you know, it's like people watch the whole thing. Exactly. Or it could have just been aggregated. Whereas if they subscribe to it, you know, as soon as they open up their podcast player, boom, there it goes. It's opening that up. You know, or or they could actually tap it on accident while they were trying to click on another episode. And so now, that episode counts as a view, even though you, that's not the one you wanted to watch, you know? So you're right. like, Oh shit, that's not the one I want. And you get the one right under it. Well now, okay. That's two views on two episodes right there, even though they're only watching one of those. But again, it's not unique viewers. And a lot of these podcasts, you know, aggregators and apps or whatever, 
really don't tell you about the unique viewers and all that. Don't really give you the stats for that. So people just run with that. But again, my thing is, the biggest thing is, like, if you're selling something, you know, what's that return? How many people are buying that with a code or something like that? You can actually see the numbers. You can actually start putting some numbers together, you know? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so, it, like I said, it's definitely, I'll say the podcast genre has come a long way, but at the same time, it's kind of been kind of at a standstill as well because, again, it is oversaturated. Well, now, and, now if you want to be a big show, you have to you have to amp up the production quality. And that's the, the thing. It looks like a it looks like a real show pre podcast. Yeah, but you got to go all in for real. It's my, no shout out. That's not a shout out to the all in podcast. But the thing is, you got to really like. Okay, I'm going to make a business of this, and you commit to that. Right. So you're going right. to go in and put in the production. You're going to get the right camera equipment. You're going to you're going to actually probably have someone that's specifically working with you that only takes care of booking, but not just these people who just have a booking agency, just to, who just constantly just send out emails to bother people. And, and they're so disingenuous. Like if, if any of them actually do listen to the show, like they claim they do when they send me emails, you know who you are. You're like, Hey man, big fan of the show, blah, blah. You know, I think so-and-so would be a great fit for your show. Okay. It goes to show me that you don't listen to the show. Cause I saw who you were talking about and no, they're not. What will make you think that? And then two weeks later, it's the same assistant or agency coming with another guest saying they'll be a good fit. I'm like, what happened to the last guy two weeks ago? Right. Oh, did their contract end? And now you don't care about that guy? <laughs> so, yeah. And that's another thing I, I can appreciate now. Like, okay, we've had a ton of great guests from those early days of the show. But one thing, after we took our year break, what one thing I do appreciate when we got back to focusing on just us because – Look, man, we bring a lot to the table and we didn't want to end up being like a lot of those podcasts. You know, once it's the popularity of having a podcast started to grow, everybody got very guest dependent. And so you never really knew the personality of the actual host from a lot of those guys, <clears throat> a lot of these folks who had shows, you know. So my thing is, what happens when you don't have any guests and you have no one to just be in this interview style, you know, type show? What do you do? What do you bring to the table? Or if, and if you do start talking to, does anyone even care now? Because your show has been so guest dependent that they're not even there to listen to you. Nobody wants to hear you. So, so there was that too. Yeah. Then you get to a point where, okay, you bring a big level guest on, let's say like a Charles Poliquin came on, he came on the show twice. All right, fine. You get all of his audience. His audience wants to hear him talk. Right. But how many people stick around when he's not on the episode, the show? A very right. small percentage. So you didn't really get anything out of that. Now, what you got out of it though is you had a good conversation with the guests. So that was always the right. most important. You know, I wasn't trying to get their audience necessarily. I mean, if that happened, great. But as long as I enjoy talking to the guest, and that's still what I do with my YouTube show. I only talk to people where I actually have questions for them, and it's relevant to people that visit my website, people that are interested in hormone optimization or training. But I have to actually have an interest. Otherwise, forget it. And right. I do this sporadically because I go through periods where I feel like doing it. I go through periods where I don't feel like doing it. If I don't feel like doing it, I don't force it. And that's the other thing, too, as someone who's been delivering content for a long time, there's many mediums I can utilize. Right. I go through places where I write a lot. Like right now, I've written several articles. And then I'll, I'll get tired of that. So then I start doing, maybe I don't have anything to say. So let me bounce off someone else. Let me bring on someone that has information that's relevant to my audience and that I care about. And I can bounce off them a little bit. 
or I can do a rant on Instagram. I can just open up my phone for two minutes and talk about something. Boom, done. Yeah. So, yeah, man. It's like, so it's been a interesting 10 years, <laughs> but, um, what do you like thinking back? Like what guests, like were some of your favorites? Well, Ty is the favorite guest. He was the most mm-hmm. impactful. He wasn't necessarily my favorite guest, as in it was so fun talking to him. But, but he yeah, was, impact wise, like, like, you yeah, know, it was the most important guest. Talking to someone like Matt Brown, that was fun because I'm yeah. a fan of him. Talking to Frank Shamrock, that was fun. I'm a fan. You know, talking to some of the bands we've had on, like Freddie and Madball or Harley on or earth caller lead singer code orange yeah, code orange yeah that kind of stuff is fun because i'm a yeah. fan i get to get an inside track talking to these people those are fun episodes yeah i talking to ty is not fun but it's important and, and no one else is getting him on their show even though i've tried many times i had some guy message me one time he goes how do we get ty on joe rogan i was like well we don't get him on any show motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) only people joe talks to are people that he wants to talk to right he's not gonna get he's not gonna have ty on just because i said hey man you should have ty on because guess what you're not the only one that's doing that on a daily basis hey you know you have on your show Yeah. (laughs) yeah busy people are busy and one thing i do is i don't annoy busy people just like i don't like people annoying me Right. So I'm never going to be a guy annoying. And I'm not going to tell someone what they should be doing with their show or their business either. Exactly. It's like, if I don't like it, I just tune out. I keep, now, it, I keep scrolling. Now, now, what I did is when I went on Rich Roll's podcast, instead of talking about why he should have Ty on, I just started talking about Ty because I'm there. You know? and, we're right. and it's live. So he would ask me a question about hormones and I would just de- deflect and say, yeah, you know, that's why I support Project Child Safe. And then the second time, I was like, yeah, that's also why I support Project So It's like, well, let's talk about that. Tell me more about it. <laughs> Boom, let's there do we it. go. Right. Now, after the episode, he's like, yeah, I'd love to have Ty on. I tried to facilitate that. That was 2018. Nothing fucking happened from it. Right. Because, because you're not going to get high ratings by having someone like him on. If anything, it's a downer. And a lot of shows, that's what they care about. Because that's how they get sponsors. That's how they make money. Oh, yeah. Especially people in Los Angeles, which is the most pseudo-spiritual city in the planet. <laughs> but that's where someone spends $10,000 on a Ganesh statue in their front lawn. <laughs> and they walk, by, they walk by homeless people like, get away from me, you fucking loser. But, then, but they're all in your face, namaste in your ass all the time. <laughs> well, don't namaste me, white person. <laughs> take, take your cultural appropriation and shut your ass. Oh... <laughs> So people were like, oh, why do you wear that Om symbol? Are you a yoga? It's like, no, because I'm Indian, dumb boss. <laughs> my mom is Indian. She's a Hindu. I wear it out of respect to her and to stay connected to her. That's why I wear it. Not because I engage in cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to be cool. Not trying to be trendy. Just something that actually means something to me. Yeah. Well, Mike, you're not woke. <laughs> <laughs> Peace and blessings, Mike. Grand rising, brother. <laughs> Nope, I don't think it's socially acceptable for a dress, so I don't think I'm woke. <laughs> I don't wear high heels because I want to be. Uh, I, want to promote, I don't wear high heels to promote diversity. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, man. Definitely but, like but to talking to some of the UFC fighters was fun because we're both big fans of the UFC. So we get to hear some of the 
behind the scenes type stories, get the inside track. So that was that 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 kind of stuff was cool. Those are the episodes yeah. I enjoyed the most for sure. Yeah, especially during that time with the UFC, you know. So <clears throat> kind of like when it was kind of just really starting to hit its apex as well. Right, you know, right. As with anything, you know, things kind of just kind of taper off or whatever, kind of gets a little more diluted. Or just oversaturated because even when it gets to the point where there's a UFC fight every other day, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just kind of like, all right, it's like, it's kind of just really, it takes a lot just to put your attention to all that. No, it's true. It's true. It's too much content to keep up with after a while. That's because you got other shit to do and other interests. Yeah, well, you just don't care after a while either. So it's yeah. just the big ones, the big events you pay attention to, but the smaller shows or the, the shows where you're not really familiar with the roster. Or when they're fighting in the Apex Center, I'm just like, why are we still? COVID's been over for three years. Why are y'all still going there? <laughs> it's like fighting in this dark ass place with really no audience. Yeah, it does. It's a very cheap way to produce an event. It's very convenient. And everybody's yeah. here in Vegas. Just bring the <laughs> fighters to the Apex. You don't have to deal with an audience. You don't have to deal with any of that stuff. Right. So that's a very convenient way to put on a show real fast. And, and and fulfill your contract obligations to Disney, right. to ESPN yeah. Plus, and all them. Because yeah. how many fights yeah. are you really watching on ESPN Plus? You know, it's also a great place to launch your slap, slap fighting events. But the guests I like talking to are people that would come on and they're just real people and we're just having a good conversation. We're not necessarily talking about, like when Matt Brown came on, we didn't just talk about the UFC. We're talking about music. We're talking about other things. We're talking about training. So yeah. it wasn't just, hey, man, uh, uh, what, what's your favorite? What's your ritual right before you fight? Like boring-ass questions that some fanboy would ask. So it's more yeah. having a conversation. In fact, Matt Brown told me, he goes, the first time he came on our show, just the way he he listened to the way that you and I were talking to each other before we right. introduced at that point, he felt good about doing it. He's like, okay, this is going to be cool. Because he knew that it wasn't going to just be a bunch of boring-ass questions. Because he said he's been on so many shows where he's like, man, why am I doing this? Right. Once he starts getting the questions, he's like, what the hell am I doing this? But I remember when Matt Brown came on, and I go, hey, man, has this ever happened to you where you're out and about with your family, minding your own business, and people just <laughs> people just come up to you and start trying to give you advice on how to improve your fighting technique? <laughs> oh, man, that happens all the time. You know, So right away, he's like, okay, cool. We're going to talk about some real stuff here. Yeah, no, I think um, I think I remember him talking about just like how much he can't stand fucking chiropractors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. You know, well, I mean, yeah. chiropractors largely are scams, that's for sure. But there are some really good ones, like Franco Colombo. I used to go to that guy was fucking awesome. I would say he was beyond a chiropractor, though. He was a physical therapist healer. There's a guy I go to in Vegas, Dr. Kyle Booth. Now he's a chiropractor, but he's also a high level ART practitioner. Mm. He's also a high level physical therapist, period. And that guy has been instrumental with improving injuries for me. When I tore my groin, if it wasn't for that guy, I don't know how long that would have taken to heal, but I was able to heal well over 60% in just two weeks. And then close enough to a hundred percent within a month that I was able to get back into heavy training. And that definitely wouldn't have happened if I just sat around waiting for it to heal or I went to the wrong person. Right. So I think when someone is only a chiropractor, yeah, like you could walk in there and say, my foot is hurting. It's like, okay, let me adjust your spine. It's like, well, what's that going to do? <laughs> someone like that, obviously, is a, 
is a lot of chiropractors are worthless because that's all they do is adjust you no matter what you have. You can be like, oh, I've got a head. Okay, I'll give you an adjustment. And you crack your neck. Like, what's that make it worse? My left, <laughs> butt, my left butt cheek is sore. Okay, let me, oh, yeah, hold on. Let me, let me grab you from behind. Like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> sir. Okay. You, you hear I'm all a, this. Come on, I'm a boy. <laughs> you hear all this cracking as if that's doing something useful. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's because it's giving immediate feedback. Like, oh, things pop, so it must be working. Whatever uh, that was, you know. Yeah, I remember some chiropractor sent me a message complaining about that. He's like, oh, you guys were just tearing on. I was like, no, man, we're tearing on a lot of chiropractors that are scam artists, which a lot are. I mean, you should know if you know your industry well enough and be honest about right. it. A lot right. of trainers suck, too. You think I don't? Yeah, you know, a lot of firearms instructors, they suck and they're scam artists. Well, most now. nutrition supplement companies are total scams. They're, they don't even care about making products that work. And a lot of times they do bait and switch where they put a secret ingredient in it to sell the first batch and then Priority. take it to start selling. Yeah, proprietary ingredients. Yeah, so that kind of so – most industries, the most companies in most industries – Look, man. Companies. Well, you know what? You know, there's a proprietary ingredient being added to marijuana these days. It's called fentanyl. Okay. <laughs> How's that working out for folks right now? These proprietary ingredients. <laughs> yeah. Proprietary, some... proprietary blend started off with we don't want other companies to rip off our formula. Now, I get that because I've had people try to rip off my formula because my ingredients are listed on the bottle. So it's easy to rip off. If it were a proprietary blend, they would have to buy a bottle, send it to a lab, try to get an analysis. Engineer it, yeah, yeah, which you can do, but it's but it's an effort. I mean, it's not like that's not and it's possible. pricey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you it's an impediment. But anyone anyone doing that is trying to make a quick buck, so they're not actually going to try to put in the the right. money to reverse engineer it like that and go for yeah. the long game. You know, they want something. But my, my attitude is that with supplements, you should know what you're taking, and then also you should. And I, I want to know what the, if I'm taking an herbal product, I need to know what the dosages are because I need to know if it's the right amount for me. Right. That's why all these mushroom coffee products are garbage because first of all, it's low quality coffee, instant coffee mixed with a bunch of mushrooms that can be beneficial at the efficacious dosage, but you don't know what the dosage is. Let me say this, man. Blend. Just because the water is brown and it's hot doesn't make it coffee. <laughs> okay. Let's just leave it at that. Stop it. Well, also, also mushroom coffee implies that it's some alternative to coffee. Exactly. Not, not mushrooms combined with coffee, which to me makes zero sense. Just keep things separate. Have a good cup of coffee and then take some mushroom supplements at the same time. Okay. Just eat some fucking mushrooms. How about that? Well, you're not going to get the benefits of just eating mushrooms that you'll get from a cordyceps extract or reishi extract. Or you're not going to get that no matter how many mushrooms you get. You'd have to eat a ton to get that. So if you're looking for the benefits of something that lion's mane can deliver, then it makes sense to have a very particular extract. But yeah, just, just the benefits of mushrooms in general, sure. Just eat that every day. <clears throat> but like some but, people, like, but some people be like, well, why don't I just eat the bulbine nettolensis plant? I don't need to take Mike's product. It's like, have well, fun with that. Okay, first of all, good luck finding it. <laughs> yeah, good luck finding it. It's, it's a very bitter plant. It's not going to be fun to eat. And you need to have concentrated amounts of it. You don't know how much of the the most beneficial properties of the plant you're getting just eating it raw. <laughs> so it has to go through a process to make it a medicinal type product. So mushrooms are the same way in that respect. But you need to know what you need to know why you're taking it. Like someone asked me recently, like, hey, how, why don't you tell everyone the supplements you take? 
was like, look, I don't mind telling people the supplements I take, but well, that's really they don't have they don't have the things that you have, you know. Well, it's, it may be beneficial to you, or it may not be beneficial to you. Right. Right? So, the, what I take and the amounts I take is personalized to what I need. You can't just replicate someone else's success. See, this Everybody is thinks this like, well, if I do it like him, then I'll look like him. Well, this is the kind of nonsense Tony Robbins would propagate. He goes, find out what other people are doing and then just mirror it. Just do exactly what they're doing. <laughs> That's not going to work. That's not going to work. You could, you could train exactly the way Dorian Yates trained. You're not going to look anywhere near like him. It may be right. way too much for you or it may not be enough. Most likely it's going to be way too much given the way he trained. But right. if you think you're going to replicate his results doing exactly what he did, you're in for a rude awakening. Well, shit, they won't, most likely won't even have the mindset to even train that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because if they did, they wouldn't be trying to copy him, you know? Yeah. So, there's a difference. Like when he says he trains to failure, that's a level of intensity <laughs> that the average person has never experienced. Yeah, that's, that's a different type of failure, okay? <laughs> the average person, the, the seventh rep is somewhat difficult. They're like, oh, I'm done. But Dorian Yates, he would have taken that to 10 reps because his mental toughness is so much stronger where you thought you were done, he would he, he would have kept going. He would have dug mm-hmm. deeper. Because he says whenever he trains someone, he goes, I'm always going to get more out of them than they think is possible. Right. Because they're not going to take it to the place I know they can take it to on their own. <clears throat> so, yeah, that whole mirroring thing and modeling, I mean. <laughs> and people go like, well, why don't you just let us know what you eat in a day? I was like, yeah, I, I'll let you know what I eat in a day. It's not like it's a big secret, but you're probably going to be just dumbfounded by what you see because you're going to be like, really? That's it? That's a guy your size? You're only eating that much? I go, yeah, this is what works for me, motherfucker. Now, you may need way more or way less or different ratios to work for you. You just look, look, look. I mean, you need to get to a Look, when I, when I meet people that are in their 50s and they still haven't figured out how to eat properly, I go, what the fuck have you been doing the last few years? <laughs> don't know how to eat? I mean, you, you still don't know what works for you at this point? I was about to say, and who's even saying what you're eating is even going to work for them, you know? It's like well, it's also, your like, body may not even react the same way to those those foods, you know? Because you might have some other stuff going on that you don't even know that you have going on. Right. Right. But like when I see people that are addicted to hiring trainers, like people that used to be my online clients and they've gone through 10 different trainers since then, and they're still hiring trainers and they always act like the most recent one they had is the best they've ever had, but they look exactly the fucking same. <laughs> now, look, why are you still hiring trainers? You don't know what works for you at this point. Like I don't need to hire anyone for anything when it comes to physical performance at this point. It's not because I'm a know-it-all and I know every facet of it, but no one knows me better than I know myself. I've been training myself since I was 18. Who has that much experience training me? Nobody. <laughs> so you should know what works for you at a certain point. Like when it comes to diet, I know what to do to, to get whatever result I want, whether it's putting on size, whether it's getting leaner, whatever it is, I know because I've been there, done that. So it's it's a, it's funny to me that when people have, that you've been working out for 20 years, but you're still looking to someone else to tell you what you should be doing. And you're still not getting the results you want because you've never taken the time to figure out what actually works with you and then have the discipline to stay the course with that. That's the other big one. People get distracted. They're they're Sometimes they're doing something that's effective. And then they, they read an article about something else. They're like, Oh, let me try that. And then the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, man. <clears throat> it was like, one thing about it is like, if you pretty much have been dialed in how you've been trained for all these years, one thing about it, you start to get older, you start, you start removing things. You start really, you start to really whittle things down and really get to the the bare minimum with the most with the most results. You start eliminating a lot of shit, 
I was in the gym yesterday. I did three moves. That's it. Three moves and I'm done. So I go, I, I thought about doing a fourth and I go, why? Why? <laughs> yeah. I'm beat right now. So it's just going to be just jerking off. Well, my wife just walk out the door and get a recovery meal. That's the best thing I can do right now. Right. That was three meals. I, I mean, first of all, I did squats first and I was pretty much done after that. The other two was just running on steam. <laughs> so <laughs> I try to do a fourth. I'm out of steam now and then I'm just going into a depleted state. So it, it takes a lot of discipline. You know, the funny thing is for people who enjoy training, it takes a lot of discipline to pull back. Right. For people that hate training, obviously it doesn't take, it takes discipline to do more because they don't want to be there at all. So that sometimes that people that enjoy training, sometimes that works to your detriment because you actually, you're, you actually like the process. So you don't want it to end quickly. You want to keep going. Right. And then you think you keep thinking that if the more I do here, the more benefit there is when, once you've been doing it for a long time, you know, that's not the case. <clears throat> yeah so it's because every now and then you kind of have this like something to come back to you like, oh man i haven't done that in a while because so, something you're doing now kind of reminds you of it like oh let me just yeah. toss one of, let me throw one of these in there and then right. you're like oh i actually missed this and you do it again it's like and your body's like dude we don't need to be doing this what are you doing right. wrap this up <laughs> funny when I get these people asking me about Nordic curls, and I know these people have no desire to do it. They just want to ask me questions. They just want to be in my face. I was like, look, man, this is a very difficult move for most people. And it's not something that you have to, you have to really want to achieve this to go down this road because it's going to be a long process. So you have to ask yourself, do you actually care about doing this or you just want to do it because you saw me doing it? Because right. just seeing you do it is not enough. You actually have to care about it. I had that Nordic, Nordic curl device in my garage for well over a decade. Only now have I actually committed, only this year did I actually commit to it and focus on actually working up to the goal I have of five complete reps. Because it's a difficult move. I didn't, I didn't care enough clearly before. I was focused on other things. Now I actually care though. And it wasn't because I saw someone else do it. You know, so you have to have a stronger reason than that. Right. Thing, that's the main reason why most people don't achieve goals because it's goals they don't care about achieving, whatever it is. They just think it's a good idea. Now they they read the editorial section of Playboy that talked about <laughs> how they should lose twenty pounds, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, maybe I should lose twenty pounds. I haven't seen my dick in a while. It'd be nice to be able to see my dick <laughs> when I take a <laughs> at the centerfold going to waste, man." It's like <laughs> at the same time, do you care enough? Is it is that goal important? Is it really that important for you to see your dick when you take a piss? Now, the answer from my point of view should be emphatic yes. <laughs> but if the answer, I would, I would is hope yes, so. Like you don't care. It's been five years. You're used to it. You don't really care. <laughs> oh. God, like I hope you would care. I mean, for the sake of, you know, not pissing all over the floor. <laughs> so. I, I, when people are always looking for motivation, I was like, you don't need motivation if it's a goal you care about, whatever it is, whether it's a financial goal, whether it's a personal life goal, business goal, whatever it is. If you if it's something you care about. You don't need motivation. Now, if you need motivation, it's probably because it's something that you really don't care about. That's the problem. All the motivation in the world is not going to make a difference. Because, I mean, discipline comes inherently when you actually care about what you're trying to achieve. It's easy to be disciplined when you actually care about it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I could talk about why people should have a clean ass before they leave the house. But if you're not, it doesn't matter how motivated I get you. <laughs> First of all... <laughs> If the, you don't think why, it's important, you know, you're why not going to clean. motivate you to clean your ass. It's like you would think that smell would have been enough motivation. Uh, yeah, you would think it's inherently motivating. <laughs> you would think it, the fact that when you sit down, your ass is itching like that. <laughs> <you'd> be, 
Now, how good is your performance going to be in anything when you don't have a clean ass? I mean, do I, why do I even have to explain this to someone? <laughs> it's like it's just distracting. It's like every time you try to do a squat, your ass is itching. It can be kind of dangerous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got this heavy weight on your back, and you're worrying about what you're trying to shift your damn cheeks left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the guest who cracked me up the most was probably Charles Poliquin because he would just come out of stuff. He would just pull stuff out of left field. He'd be like, yeah, Trey. He's like asking this person for advice is, is like asking a virgin sex therapist for advice, something like that. <laughs> right. He would just pull that out of nowhere. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like the category, probably the top two, like, did he just fucking say that? Is Charles yeah. And Dr. Delgado. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, hold up, bro. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like, did he just say like, human breast is the most he- is the most healthy, guys. And you gotta love the container, right, guys? <laughs> Dirty asshole. <laughs> Every time I say like that, when I when I had him on my YouTube show, you look at the comment section, it's it's women of course, and they're like, Oh, this guy is so full of himself and he's creepy. <laughs> He's sitting there talking about how he gave a lecture at some anti-aging event, and there was some good-looking Indian woman that he couldn't keep his eyes off the whole time. I was like, why are you talking about keep that? Keep that to yourself, man. It's like, yeah. hey, man, I got two words for you. Me too. Now calm the fuck down with that, okay? <laughs> he, comes, he comes from that era. He comes yeah, from that I know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, people need to relax. I'm like, hey, man. No, dude, you're being creepy, and women tolerated it for a long time. They shouldn't have. Now they, they now, really now don't, they have don't to. tolerate it. Yeah, now they don't have to. And that's they can a good financially thing. ruin you, you know, so stop. So stop whispering to people that you don't know. That's creepy. And stop sniffing people's hair, man. <laughs> well, he, he smelled hair and whisper. That's a double. <laughs> exactly. The, the smelling hair is creepy enough. Then you got to whisper something. <laughs> Talk about your blonde hair legs on the swimming pool when you're hanging around a bunch of kids. Like, who voted for this fool? Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, the other guy is grabbing him by the yeah, who voted for that fool? <laughs> it's like, yeah. no more dirty geriatric old men. Okay, yeah, that's stop the it. Problem. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> well, don't forget the other guy who likes sticking cigars in places where he don't belong. That's <laughs> <laughs> not it's not a very good track record. <laughs> I mean, look at it. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we had one president everyone said they loved so much that made a put a stipulation in his house in Los Angeles that no black person could buy it if, if it's ever sold. Something stupid like that. Who was that? Reagan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why when we had that guy in the show one time, it was talking about how Reagan is the last. Oh, president. my God. I was you like. And I, you and I were both. Really I'm like, first of all, two, two, two kids raised in the 80s who were not white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we begged yeah. to differ. You can't tell me that, man. I was there during that administration. I'm like, nah, bro. Reaganomics, crack epidemic. Yeah. yeah, epidemic. I didn't read about it in, in, a, in a. Oh, a memoir written by Bill O'Reilly. You know, right. killing Reagan. <laughs> like, no, killing, killing everybody in the 80s. How about that? Write that book, Bill. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is the same governor that, you know, once the Black Panther showed up and exercised their rights as Americans with the you know Second Amendment, you hurry up and create a law to where, you know, you didn't have that right anymore. It's the same guy who, when he had a conversation with Nixon, referred to some diplomats from a part of Africa as monkeys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, oh, he wasn't racist. Like, I don't know what definition of, I don't know what your definition of racism is, but sounds pretty discriminatory to me. Well, he called them monkeys. He didn't call them the N-word. Come on, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) You know, monkeys are pretty intelligent. You know, if you you check out the science. (laughs) I'm sure he wasn't comparing them to monkeys due to their intelligence, brother. (laughs) So, fuck out of here. So yeah, I, I do have to say that two two guests definitely have the most impact because you know to this day it's like we're still being impacted by them and by helping them. You know, yeah. it was Ty and Melia. You know, yeah, we had yeah. Melia on a few, few yeah, times. Yeah, awesome. And James Pond as well. You know, yeah, and, James is a great guy. And seen the evolution of James. You know, just going from you know helping girls who have been victims of sex trafficking to now what he's doing with you know vets with their mental health. Yeah. You know, just seeing that because, you know, he's a vet, you know, and he he understands it. So and so kind of just even realizing being a good example of knowing when to pivot. You know, that's what James did. He didn't exactly, you know, just give up on the organization. He passed it off to people. He knew they would be in good hands. So he could also focus on this other thing that really, you know, hit home for him. You know, and he was very passionate about. And that's another that was an ongoing lesson with so many things is knowing when to pivot. It's one of the ongoing themes of our show. You know, oh, so many people didn't know how to let things go. And you're looking at two guys who knew when to let things go, you know, from, I mean, when we started this, we're basically kind of like at the height of our kettlebell, kettlebell yeah. instructing careers, you yeah, know, exactly. you know, exactly. and, and, you know, you started pivoting more toward hormone optimization because, you know, that's what was really grabbing your attention. I mean, you pretty much felt like you've done all you could do with instructing. Yeah, there, was, there was nowhere for me to go with kettlebells because the only place I could go to was certification and I had no desire to do that. Yeah. I don't feel like being a glorified babysitter. That's just like taking people's money. I mean, like my thing is, okay, you don't need to pay me all this money to do that. You know, if, if there's somebody's business model and they, they work that, you know, good for them. Cause if, if they have customers, then hey, it's working, you know, but for me, I just didn't want to be responsible for people like that because I'm one of those people like, if you're going to give me that kind of money, I, I got to continue to provide continuing education and make it worth your time or whatever, especially when you got some of these folks who have these people paying like yearly dues or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's, that's a lot. You, for the, you, well, if you're going to require dues for someone or, or blow your organization or something like that, you need to provide something. You can't just keep talking the same old stuff or having them to prove to you they can still retain information that you've taught them from five years ago. Because you should have something new by then. It should be an evolution to whatever you're you're teaching at that point. And it just become this. It, it became like such a cash grab with all these certifications during that time. Right, you know, right. It's just like oh, come on, let me find the laziest way I can make money. And most most of those certs aren't even around anymore. No, they're not. And most of those certs weren't useful anyway. I'm like, right. where where we where when you got them, what could you do other than do the same thing? You know. Yeah or host a certification, but at what point, I mean, here's the deal. Now, if you're doing it to go deeper into whatever the topic was or whatever the instrument was, whatever the tool or whatever like that, then, okay, just do a certificate show that hey, you showed up and you learned about it. Just like people do in the corporate world when you do extra stuff or whatever, you take a course on Coursera or something like that. It's like, okay, you show the initiative that you don't, you went a little deeper into this industry or whatever that you're involved in but if people are just really going in that just basically to get it just so they can learn more about the using utilizing the tool for their own personal health just give them a certificate not necessarily make it a certification at this point because again 
it, the word certification just really got diluted and watered down during that time to the point where you can't even really take it seriously anymore. And then not just in fitness, but anywhere. Because you had this this part of history where the whole online courses and, and, and all these internet marketers start promoting these courses or whatever. So everything became a certification as a way to, again, get this funnel, you know, and, and this cash grab from people. But yeah, yeah so the kettlebell DVD market was like that for a while too. Yeah. A few of us came out with DVDs, we did well, but all of a sudden yeah. everybody had a DVD. <laughs> yeah. And most of most of the everyone who had a DVD, they sold 10 copies probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because nobody cared at that point. Go, how many different DVDs do you need to have? You, right. have, you have to you have to have something different, some nuanced category that you're bringing in. Exactly. Like, oh, here, here's another kettlebell DVD that goes over the basics. Okay, well, there's five of those out there. Like, okay, what have, else? Do you need I to, got five to... of those here already right now. What makes this one different? It's, it's from three or four different perspectives. Or like, here's one on kettlebell sport. Here's one on strong style. Here's one on building, you know, strength and power. What do you have next? What do you have? What are you going to add to that? What else does a person need? Do you even care about the material you're putting out? Because I mean, I look at, I look at all the kettlebell DVDs I put out. It was always, each one always represented what I was into at the time. Mm -hmm. It was stuff that I was playing around with stuff that I was getting benefit out of. I go, cool. Let me make a product about that. It was never me coming up with, Okay, mm-hmm. what's going to sell? Let me what just can I come up with that people are going to want yeah, to buy? It was never right a bunch away. of moves that I don't actually do myself in right. my work. Stuff that just looked cool for a DVD. It was always, here's what I do. Here's the programs I use. Here's how to execute. Now, that's always been my barometer for what direction I should go in. But I remember around 2015, I was, I was beyond burned out teaching courses, flying all over the world teaching courses. It was fun for a while. It was fun for a long time. But at that point, I was like, man, I'm so tired of doing this. It's so repetitive. And unfortunately, at that point, my T-Booster came out. In two, well, actually, it had already been out in 2013, but it was selling really well to the point where I had the option. I had the luxury where I could say, I can just cut this out completely. I don't right. need to fake it. I can just stop doing it, and I'll do just fine. And that was it. I never looked back after that. I mean, at the end of the day, it, like, it really starts to suck when it starts feeling like a job. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> when you feel I mean, like you have to clock in and clock out, you know, it's like, oh. Right. To the point where it gets closer and closer to the date of the event, and you just kind of like, it's almost time, and, yeah. and you're not excited about it. You're just like, oh, man, I, but I got to commit to it because people. Yeah, but the first several years when I taught courses, I, I would I wouldn't be able to sleep the night before because I was yeah. excited. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get out there tomorrow and do this. And then it got to the point where it was the opposite. The alarm would go off. You're like, oh man, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. bad. Well, you just look in the process. Oh man, I got to get up and go to the airport, deal with that, do this, do that. You know, so when you start just, you're just kind of irritated by everything. It's time to move on. Well, one thing I also noticed is that my own workouts became a lot more enjoyable when I was no, no longer training. Oh, it was the best, man. It was the best. Now it's, it's a hundred percent for me. It's not because it's... I come up with new things. Like when I share training information now, I just give it away for free because I don't, I don't make money off training at this point. I make money off my supplements. I don't mind. Just, sharing what i'm doing like my stuff i post on instagram i'm not posting my workouts on instagram because i have a product coming out that's going to go deeper into these things i just want people to know what i'm up to because i'm not out there and about anymore i'm not out and about teaching no one's going to see what i look like if i don't present what i'm doing and i don't want to just post pictures from 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) it's like this is what i'm doing now this is what i look like now this is what i'm doing now it always just 
post pictures of yourself while you're driving and do it, you know, above the headshot. So, <laughs> so the camera's pointing in your crotch while you're driving, you know, and, I can't stand and, and, and then put an inspirational quote on it from Rumi on there, you know, why you got, <laughs> you got a above the head dick shot right there while you're I can't driving. Stand these clips where someone driving, and talking. why are you filming yourself? I'm like, right where are you, like, where, where are you going? Stop. You going to pull kill. off the side of the road for two minutes to film this. You can <laughs> wait. I'm like, geez, man. And what they're saying is nothing, too. I was like, was exactly. it really important for you to deliver this right now? And, and risk someone's life? <laughs> yeah, you're driving, man. Okay, you should be focused on driving, not making a video while you're driving. <laughs> I can't stand when I see clips like that. It just irritates me to no end. And then you always look in the comments. Everybody's like, hey, man, why are you recording and driving? It's like, take the hint. <laughs> Even the everyday person is like, kind of worried, like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> why are you driving and, and filming? Everybody's got their own reality TV channel being filmed at all times. Like people walking in the park with their phone in front of them talking. And then, hey guys, this is what you need to do, baby. I was like, oh, <laughs> just do that. Why do you have to do this out here in public? There's other people around, you know. There's other people out here walking by. It's the audience, <laughs> the fans, you know, and they're people of the people. Now we'll say in ten years that that epidemic has grown exponentially. <laughs> the the look at me situations where no, I'll, tell you what, every... I'll tell you a trend that's grown exponentially that is very disheartening or taint bleaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that one that one makes some sense to me. Okay? <laughs> I understand why white women want to get their assholes bleached. Because, <laughs> you gotta have you get you want to have uniformity back there. Because okay? you know you look at it it's like oh that's a very diverse derriere you got going. <laughs> <right there." laughs> No, it's not it's not, not something black women need to worry well, about. Your ass is everyday people I see, okay? <laughs> but what's what's disconcerting is what's disconcerting is all this fake vulnerability nonsense where people talk about their insecurities oh, every it's like oh, god damn man. It's like why do I need to hear about this every fucking day from you? It's like, well, now it seems like you know, being weak is big business. Like, oh, you know, people, people don't know what I deal with. If you knew what I dealt with, you know, you, you. it's like, sh- yeah, let's keep it that way. <laughs> we, we didn't know what you were, we didn't know what you were dealing with. Well, that, that's what your therapist is for, because these people looking at you, looking at your page, they're not there to help you. They're there to be entertained or to find a justification for feeling the same way. You right. know, but they're not there to actually help. Some might say, oh, I'm here for you. Are they? Really? Why don't they do it in the comments? Why not just send your private message and say, hey, are you okay? But no, why do they have to go on public and be like, hey, well, you just know that we're we're all here for you. Who is we? Who are you speaking for? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so like I said, like I said, weaknesses become big business now. And anyone that's strong and or anyone that even seeks some type of strength, it's like, you know, you're <laughs> you're the enemy now. You're this bad person. How dare you right. want to take control of your life or even even hold yourself accountable. Who does that? <laughs> so now those people are now they're making it to where the, the opposite is not in a safe space. Right. I don't, I, I feel threatened, you know, well, the, the opposite is also people that try to act like they have themselves. So together, so well calibrated. And I know some of these people, oh, well, that's, they're, 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 you're, open nowhere, you're nowhere near what we know people. those folks. And we're just look, I'm looking when they post, I'm like, stop. 
Stop it. These are usually the people that also sell fake military experiences, fake Navy SEAL boot camps. Oh my God. <laughs> for $10,000. But they, in their own interviews, talking like they've been through some major, major stuff. <laughs> and just so matter of fact, I'm like, mm, what are you doing? Who, who's, who, I mean, I know what's happening, but who's buying this? Have they done a background check on you? Just really looked into who you are? And why do you look so scruffy now? Why do you look so dirty? <laughs> it's like, what happened to the old corporate look? What what happened here? What have you gone through? So I'm just like, okay, because now, now you got people who've probably never had a experience a day in their life in in the military world. Now they're all trying to be Jocko, right? Right. I'm like, stop right. it. Let Jocko be Jocko. Who are you? Who are you? Yeah. Why are you trying to, and why are you trying to speak on topics that he talks on? Well, I mean, and quit John, showing me, and quit showing me every morning when you work out and posting your watch <laughs> at 4 a.m. Go to sleep. Take your ass to bed. <laughs> someone, someone like Jocko, that, that guy, that's who he is. You can tell that's who he is. Right. He's not faking it. He's not going into character. Not after all, look, man, all these years, this is like, he's, he's consistent as fuck. I'm like, oh, there's not an Academy Award in the world for that type of acting. That man's real. But, yeah. But I can pull up old tapes of you just from five years ago, ten years ago, even when we started this show. You're like, hey, you're like that 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 old post that they, that you would get an email from or a text, which basically was like a phishing link. But you send them like, hey, this you. <laughs> you always yeah. have to be aware of those emails. This you. <laughs> right, right. Well, this is one of those situations. Like, hey, is this you right here? This definitely is not on par with the person you're acting like you are now. Yeah, yeah. When, you always, when people's personalities change with whatever's in vogue, you know, that's a bad sign. Yeah, it's always good. Like those people that we know that are that do this now, that kind of do this what I call LARPing, this live action role playing. You know, they're cosplaying like they're these other folks who really live that life. All you have to do is look at look at the audience, look at the people who are buying into their products, look at the age group. So nine times out of ten, it's an age group that wasn't around. You know, they weren't adults 10 years ago when this person was in a totally different field, acting a totally different way. And it was nothing like who the person they're trying to, the persona they're trying to give off now. You know, this is so crazy. Like 10 years ago, you have someone, like when we started the show, you had someone that basically they were just glorified car salesmen. Almost everything was about marketing and selling something. Right, you know, it's like hell, and buy this program and use this software for this, and build your business, and yada yada. And now they're all like, you know, you need to get out, and we're going to go out in the wilderness, and we're going to get together as men. I'm like, okay, right now this does not sound very inviting. So you're (laughs) saying we're going out in the woods alone, just the nine, the ten of us all together, living off the land and bonding. Yeah, uh, I've, no, I've, I've, read saw, Greek, I've read Greek history. And I know where this is going to end up. Okay. Well, you know, I, I've seen the movie Deliverance before. Right? <laughs> four, four guys got together to go out in the woods. That's a, well. <laughs> and also the the one Ice T movie with um oh man with um God they pretty much used him to hunt. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a good movie actually. Oh, that was a that great was a movie. movie. I, I actually movie? I put it up there. That's probably one. Of, I actually said that's probably his best movie he's ever made. Yeah, that was good. What was the name of that movie? That came oh, out in the nineties, early nineties. Yeah, think. early nineties, man. It's yeah, like ninety three or four. And it or had like, um, oh my god, not Cole Hauser, but um, R- R- Rutger Hauer was in it. Um, right, right. Oh uh, yeah, and I, I see, I see, had those terrible locks. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh man, come on! What is that movie? It came out not too long after New Jack City. I'm actually looking it up now. Yeah, I'll, I'm trying I'll, to find I'll, it. I'll, I'll recognize it if I see the name. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater when I was in college. Yep, so same year. '94, I think, is when it came out. I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Yeah, Ice T. The, the scene in New Jack City that always cracks me up is when he's. <laughs> I want to shoot you out. so bad, my dick's hard. <laughs> oh, there's so many great lines in that movie, but when he's, when, Mar- when Mario Von Peebles and Judd that was a Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson, was, yeah. Judd Nelson, they show up at his apartment. He's like, "Why are you guys here to watch me work out?" <laughs> <laughs> Like, sit, you're a five dollar man down. <laughs> Surviving the game. That was the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Surviving the game. It was yeah. It was like '94. The New Jack City oh, yeah. the most quotable movie ever. Cancel this bitch. I'll buy, <laughs> I'll buy me another one. <laughs> <laughs> Never liked you anyway. You pretty motherfucker. Pretty motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you got to rob to get rich in the Reagan era. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Hawkins. <laughs> Oh man, and we will get rich. <laughs> Damn, crack. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's my favorite line. <laughs> get the fuck out of here! Ain't nowhere in the world about sucking your old triple. <laughs> oh man, yeah, man, that movie had a, a great cast in it. Um, surviving the game, man, you had like. Rock, aka Charles Dutton, not Dwayne Johnson. Gary right, Busey, right. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To my Rutger, John C. Rutger, McGinley, Rutger. man. It's like you know, F. F. Murray, Rutger, Abraham. Yes, Rutger Howard. That's right. I forgot he was in it. Yep. Yep. Nineteen ninety four. Right. That's right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, when I was in Lewis and Clark College in Oregon, that's when that movie came out. So I remember going to see it. Well, I kept your ass out of those Oregon woods, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that's like a perfect scene right there. I think the crow came out that year too. Uh, that, was, it 90, was it was ninety four or ninety two? Yeah, it's ninety four. Yep, ninety four. Yep, the crow. Yeah, seen the crow in the theater. The crow was fucking awesome. Oh I man, I remember the first time I saw it? I, I think I went back and saw it again a week later. It was that good. That was one of those ones where he's like, man, you know, you wonder what if, what could have been had he. Yeah, lived, Brandon know? Lee. Brandon Lee, Lee was was Keanu before Keanu was Keanu. Yeah, like, Brandon Lee showed that he's an actor in that movie. It was the yeah. first movie. In where it wasn't just some martial arts bullshit. It was a real acting delivery. He was good. He was really good at it. It's probably that'd been one of those situations. You probably he probably ended up being in one of those John Wicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, would, that would have been the beginning of a very successful career. You could tell. Yep. He had yeah, real star power. And that's why now they're trying to do some reboot of the Crow. I go, no, don't, no, 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 you're lying. Don't, Jason no. Momoa, Jason Momoa is going to. Oh, play. stop it, man! <laughs> stop it! You guys are killing me with this. Fucking stop! You're not going to make it better. You really think you're going to make it better? That's just like I just saw today. The trailer was being released for the Color Purple. I'm like, why would you fuck with a classic? Oh my God. There's no need to redo that movie. It's it's good. Leave it alone. Yeah, that's not something you redo. And you I'm looking at the people that they're casting in. I'm like, why? Just like, dude, do you understand how and much that, stellar all, cast they Hollywood, have? It's all Hollywood does nowadays. Is what just it, re- again, cash grab. Remakes, reboots of brands that we all knew growing up. <laughs> but I'm like, you're going to ruin my experience with that. I'm just like, come on, man. This is like, <laughs> there's no need for it. There's no need. 
Well, I mean, the only reason you do a reboot is when the first time around it wasn't done well. So, for example, Dune came out in 1984, yeah. <laughs> done extremely poorly. In fact, I didn't even think I didn't even have a desire to read the book after seeing that movie because the movie was so bad. I thought this book sucks. Why would anyone? Why does everyone talk about this book like it's something good? It wasn't until well over a decade later I read the book and I was like, damn, this is a good book. The movie just sucked. So the movie that came out recently. That was actually really good. And the yeah. sequel's coming out this year. Yeah. The second part of it, rather, I should say. It's not a sequel because it's the same book. It's two movies that just make up, the, comprise the entire book. But that was done well, at least in my opinion. Now, the your opinion about Blade Runner 2049. I, I liked it. I liked it. I mean, I, nothing is as good as the original. The original yeah. Blade Runner was fucking awesome. But I did like 2049, though, because it was, yeah. I feel like it captured the feel of the first one. It went in a mm-hmm. different direction. So it wasn't a cliche. Right. Just, territories it was long as fuck but it wasn't boring to me and that's a that's a real testament so that right. that one I actually like that, that wasn't even really a re- i mean it was a sequel but it was a very distant sequel yeah. both literally and in the story matter the only thing i didn't like about that movie is that i didn't feel harrison ford was in it enough i wanted to see more of it's kind of like what happened with star wars it's like i was kind of pissed you know, yeah, like well, it was way better in those crappy movies. <laughs> but I was, but I was like, when they brought him back, I was like, okay, you're actually you're getting my interest again. And I'm like, oh well, shit, y'all just kill. he's dead. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> we yeah, we wanted to see all these original characters interacting. We never exactly. Got that. It was like it was so, and the then actually he did have with um Carrie Fisher was so forced, and it seemed very. This is not like they're not acting like two people who were so freaking in love and created this bastard of a child. Okay. Right. You know, it's just like they seem so disconnected. I mean, it seemed like it was a bad marriage, <laughs> you know, but it, it didn't feel, I mean, look, obviously this is all fiction, but it, it didn't feel authentic. Like this is where the storyline would have gone. No, exactly. Even like when they brought Lando back and kind of forced that because I feel like they did that. Well, that just was like, extremely forced. I, I was like, I, I feel like, okay, we're being kind of disrespectful that we brought all these other folks back. We got to bring Lando in now because, you know, it's just, we just have, it's almost like it was affirmative action. Almost like they had to meet a quota. Like, okay, we got to bring him in. I don't know well, where it's going to fit. First of all, they they bring Harrison Ford back and kill him in the first movie. Exactly, Luke Skywalker back and kill him in the second movie. <laughs> it's like, and then Carrie the Fisher one, just dies. It's like, okay, this is not died, unfortunately. <laughs> this reality. is not working out very well. It's like, stop, just stop, just make it be a whole new just generation and just move on. Well, that that one episode of The Mandalorian where Luke comes in and saves yeah, him is a badass. That's exactly what we wanted to see in these sequels. In that episode, in five minutes. They gave us more of we what we wanted to see than three crappy movies did. Exactly. I'm like, well, damn. Okay. Why wasn't Luke that? We wanted to see. We wanted to see this badass Jedi master, Jedi master, fucking shit up. Come on, we never come got on, that. wake up, kill, kill some motherfuckers, repeat, go back to sleep. It's like I'm out. Okay, make that impact. Give me the baby. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, Carol, Carol, who's never even been a fan of Star Wars, she watched that episode with me, and she's like, man, who's this badass? You know, talking about Luke Skywalker. She had no clue. Yeah. Who but she actually got interested in the show, The Mandalorian, because of that scene. That's how well done it was. Now, those of us who were actually grew up with movies, Star Wars, and, yeah. Yeah, like, like, and also, I'm not someone who goes around researching episodes so that a lot of people knew that was going to happen before they saw the episode because they're reading spoilers everywhere. Yeah, exactly. I watched that episode completely oblivious that that was even going to happen. So when right. it did happen, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, oh, shit. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it kind of like he needed that. It was redemption because he was so whiny in those, you know, the first, the first sequels. 
you know, the, well, the first three. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He exactly. was such a little bitch, you know, in episodes four, five, and six. You know, even even in Return of <laughs> the Jedi, he still was like, come on, bro. <laughs> he's still all kind of like, I want my dad back. And that, you just, like, you can be redeemed. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and, then, and then in the sequels, he's just this jaded old man. It exactly. Break. I know. <laughs> It's like it's God, a terrible story arc. <laughs> you're grumpy, like damn. If anybody could have been grumpy, a grumpy old man we, could have been never, Ben we, Kenobi. Ben Kenobi wasn't even grumpy like that. Well, in episode so you've four. never seen this character with his shit together categorically. No, and, he's and always tell, still trying to find himself. Until that episode of The Mandalorian, it's like this is him at his peak. That's what we want to see. Right. That's what we wanted to see in these sequels. We don't want to see what they deliver. I mean, they couldn't have fucked up those sequels worse than they did. And then they bring the Emperor back. It's like, that guy was... I'm like, how? That, like... Guy thrown, that guy was thrown into an incinerator. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. It's like, enough of this. Nobody dies anymore. I mean, it's, worse than, it's worse than a, a TV soap opera because no one dies on soap operas. <laughs> They're always away. No matter how they should have died, how tragic it was somehow yes well they found my body and they froze it for five years and did it <laughs> like what this is the only show that did a good job of bringing back a supposedly dead character was 24 when they brought back tony almeida, tony almeida. <laughs> he went full villain and i was like wow they, they really did a he, good he job went heel <laughs> straight yeah. up man yeah yeah i was like wow because when, when i first heard that they were going to bring him back i go this is going to be stupid well see tony had a reason to be jaded so it's like you you were right, right there right. with it him all, like yeah you should sense. be pissed <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it all made sense it was believable the way they did it it's like why this is how jack should have been yeah, if he came back from china <laughs> yeah I, I didn't buy that either when he came back from china in episode six he's already back in the action work firing on all four cylinders yeah right I'm like, this dude needs therapy torture. man come on you gotta be tortured for two years you think <laughs> he's gonna be firing on all four cylinders you know how malnourished he is <laughs> i don't care how much adrenaline you have going you're not gonna be able to operate at that level right and, and why would you want to after your country sold you out? You're going to be like, fuck you guys. That's man. what I'm Go saying. Like, that. dude, you should be pissed. Like, you know what? F you guys, okay? Nobody <laughs> did jack shit to get him out of China when he was there for two years. And he's supposed to be committed to them now. All those people just forgot about him. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. You're coming from, you're coming down. You're coming from a Chinese prison. Look, man, I saw Broke Down Palace, okay? And I saw what happened with Kate Beckinsale and Claire Danes when they were in prison. So, yeah. so you can't tell me that man came back with his mind straight yeah. <laughs> after seeing what those two girls went through and it just because they got mistaken for being drug mules. And so you're like a world-class like you know agent or whatever. <laughs> An enemy of all these other states. Like, And you're just good. Like, alright, I'm ready to get back into this. Really? Hey, no one could have gotten him out of that situation. I mean, look, you can... They got fucking Brittany Griner out of that marijuana park. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Going on to my internet. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, man. So, I guess the next question is like, like what's going forward? You know, what are you looking forward to? Or, you know, what are you thinking for the next step of the show? Yeah, I know that's a good question. I mean, we could always start rolling out guests again, but for some reason, um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Yeah, that's, that's why I never bothered. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm voting no. Even th- there's been like some people like, oh, you know, I'm like, nah, I'll think about you, it. You know, you know what the thing is? Like when I read someone's book now and it's interesting, I'm thinking we can just talk about this book without the author being yeah. on. There. Why do we need the author on? Exactly. Just kind of give we, a we summation or whatever. Yeah, we can just discuss it ourselves. That's kind of the way I look at it now, as opposed yeah. to, oh, let's get this guy. It's like, well, I read the book. I already know what the answers are to the questions I would ask. Right. And it's just like I said, man, it's just. I think this kind of really gets back to the the original thing, the original basis of the show. It's like, you know, like, man, we 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 always had these cool conversations and it was like, hey, we should just do a podcast. That would be a great podcast episode. You know, it's just like people sitting in on just sitting in one of our conversations. Stop, dude. Right. You right. know, and it's kind of where it is now. So <clears throat> so I mean, like I say, man, I just always feel like there's so much going on in this world all the time. We'll always have something to talk about. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this world yeah. Pr- keeps providing lots of content. <laughs> yeah. We're never short on that. There's always something. You know, most of the time it's like, okay, you know, if we take about two weeks apart, you know, every time we record, I'm like, okay, I got to remember that. I need to write that down so I forget that. But within that two weeks, so much other stuff has happened. Like, well, damn. But like I say, it's like I say, it's um it's still a vehicle that keeps us, you know, at top of mind, you know, in front of those who have like followed our careers and just kind of stand up on what we're doing. And so we just don't disappear because there's a lot of people that, you know, <clears throat> you know, that we would look at, you know, check out or whatever who've just disappeared into oblivion, you know. And you don't know what they're doing. And he's like, oh, okay. It becomes for a hot second, whatever happened to so-and-so. And then it just gets to the point like, oh, well, you don't even care at this point. So what are you doing, dude? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Crazy dog. So, yeah, man. <clears throat> but like I said, I've, I've, this second time around, I've really enjoyed it more. Just like I said, with it being us and just really kind of just whatever the topic is that we're interested in or something that's happening that at that moment and something like that. And just kind of weighing in, giving our opinions on things, you know? So, and that's a beautiful thing about it is our opinions. We're not going around here acting like, you know, what we're saying is law, like so many other folks now with their shows. No. But, um, yeah, that's the key. It's always been about good conversation. So whether it's two people, three people, four people, as long as it's a good conversation, yeah, not forced, you know, and just like, oh, now what? That's why whenever someone, some company says, oh, we, I think you would enjoy talking to this person. I go, nah. I think well, I'll- if I did, I probably would already know about them and probably would have been reaching out to you. Like when I talk to someone who I don't know and they use my name too much when we're talking, that's a that's oh my god. Well, you know, Mike, I came up with this, and you know, you know, Mike, how does well, you know, sincere and Mike, those are the worst when they put us together. Well, sincere, Mike, let me tell you. (laughs) Well, you know what, Mike and sincere, I'm like, all right, we get it. We Mike and sincere, yeah. Mike and I do a show together. We know. We get it. And Are we're you, on here. You, you using my name doesn't make me feel special. It makes, <laughs> right. it makes me come out very fake. I'm like, There's okay. only two of us talking right now. Why do you need to know my like like I don't know you're talking to me unless you see my name? And I'm Who sure people I'm sure people know know which one of us are speaking by the sound of our voice. They know our voices, so you don't have to identify us just because we're not on camera. They know <laughs> when sincere's talking and when Mike's talking. You don't have to sit there and do that. <laughs> 
That's a great question, Sincere. You know, blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> well Sincere. I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. That's what I'm talking I'm like, about. Stop name dropping. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> this is annoying. I was like, very disingenuous when she goes to show, like, you're not a fan like you claim you are. You wouldn't have to do that. Suffice it to say, why I guess like that never had a second appearance on the show. <laughs> yeah. my, my philosophy also is I'm a, I'm a big fan of positioning, not prospecting. So the right. fact that you're contacting me recommending someone, that's prospecting. Right. Because I, I already read a lot of in- interesting information. So I'm going to come across people that I want to talk to. It's very rare that someone presents someone to me that I've never heard of that's in my field and has something of interest that right. I've never considered. Exactly. No, we're good here. <laughs> so it's kind of like in life, no new friends, like no new guests. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a good place to wrap it up right there. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, so. Cool. Hey, man. So all you guys who've been rocking with us for those 10 years or people who just done it recently, hope you continue to do so. You know, so like, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks for good for these first 10 years. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressive Show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.